So I want to encourage you today. For the next several, last week and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to, we're going to talk about to being encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. Uh, when I've prayed with families throughout the neighborhood and even within the church and, and with staff members and stuff, it, there's this big need right now for folks just to be encouraged. It's rough out there, isn't it? And sometimes it can get discouraging. Sometimes you're trying to fight the good fight of faith, but you, know, you become wore out. <laughs> you know, Life kind of gets you. Things aren't turning out the way you want them to turn out. That can become discouraging. You know, if you, if you watch too much information coming in from whether it's the TV, the internet, or what, it's, it's you know, sometimes bad news tends to sell, right? It tends to, and, and so that's what the world tends to focus on. But yet there's blessings and goodness. You know, like we sang, sang today, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, Lord, all around. I guarantee if you can look around, you can find the blessings and the goodness of God, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of darkness. So I want to encourage you today. Last week, we talked about four agreements that you can make with yourself to encourage yourself in the word. Today, I, I want to encourage you to know thyself. Know who you are. Know who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ is far more than what you may realize you are. The blood of Jesus, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection of our Savior did far more than just punching your ticket to heaven. Ooh, I have faith in Christ Jesus and in his death, burial, resurrection. That means I get to go to heaven. Well, yes, that's part of it. But there's so much more than that. The sweet by and by, hey, well, the, the day will come, we'll all get there. But in the meantime, he empowers you to be victorious right here in the, forget about the sweet by and by. We need something right here in the nasty now and now, don't we? And he empowers you. Your Savior is so phenomenal. The book of Hebrews says that he is your high priest. And he goes and he makes intercession continually for you. See, to the Hebrews, that was huge because they, they had a high priest. They had a, 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 a big wig preacher that, that would go into the temple every year back into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was and would apply the blood of the sacrifice onto the mercy seat located on the Ark of the Covenant. And the Shekinah glory of God would come and burn up that blood. And the blood would be an atonement for your sins. It would actually roll your sins forward. And so everyone was dependent on that one man, that high priest that would go before God and represent. Well, now we have a continual high priest, the Bible says. And that's Christ Jesus who goes and he makes intercession for you. What does that mean? That means he's praying for you. What is your savior doing today? Guess what he's doing? He's praying for you. Praying for me? Yes. You have a savior that intercedes for you. What is he praying about? Well, he's praying his word. We can find out. Matter of fact, if we can know what he's praying about, if you know what Jesus is praying about, that'll clue you in to who you really are. And what could be more encouraging than that? I could use some of that encouragement. So let's take a look at this. John chapter 17, I guarantee you he's praying this because his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So just know daily Christ is praying along the lines of this Look, he's praying for you right here. Let's look at his prayer. Let's see what he says. Now, just be aware, I highlighted some stuff, man, because when I read the word, I'm like, man, that talks to me. So you're going to see my highlights all in there. And uh, 
Uh, just, I'm praying that it jumps out at you. John chapter 17, starting with verse one. After all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. Who does he have authority over? Everyone. So do not get in an uproar and lose sleep because people are out there acting like a bunch of knuckleheads or people said this and that about you or people are saying this and that about the church or this and that about Christians or whatever or the world's not acting the way you think the world should act. Just understand that at the end of the day, Jesus Christ has authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Well, what is he talking about? Well, this is John's account of Jesus. If you remember, John chapter 1 started in the beginning, before the world was created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing that was made was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus. And we beheld the glory, the only begotten of the Father. John's saying, we saw the glory. That's what Jesus is talking about. Hey, Lord, I'm about, Father, I'm about to come back to you. Bring me into the glory we shared back in chapter 1 of John. Before the world began, return me back to that place. What is he saying? Return me back to that place where I understand that I, the, I, the word, was with you and was you and was in the beginning, right? Bring me back to a place of unity, of oneness, is what he's saying, because that's where the glory is. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know. Now, I highlighted this because this jumped out of me. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. That right there shows that Jesus was walking in faith. Why? Because when you walk in faith, faith says, all that I, look, I give everything up to you, Lord. All that I have comes straight from you. And I know no matter what, you're going to take care of me. No matter what, you will meet all needs because of the covenant that you made with me, I've been grafted back into the covenant of Abraham that said, if you'll leave your nation, your family, your family's name, all that stuff, and just depend on me, I will make you a nation, I will give you a name, and I will multiply you, and I will bless you. Just depend on me. Trust me. That's the basic of faith, basis of faith. And, and Abraham had such incredible faith, it didn't matter what nature and what everything else looked like around him. He said, no, I'm just going to trust you no matter what. No matter what, I don't care what report I get, I trust you, I trust you. Well, Jesus was walking there. He said, look, hey, they realize that everything I have is a gift from you. It all came from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world. He said, look, I'm not praying for the whole world at this time. I'm about to die for the world. But at this moment, I ain't praying for the world, he said. But for those you have given me, because they belong to you, 
All who are mine belong to you. Do you realize you belong to God today? You are not your own. You belong to God. That right there should encourage you because if you are God's property, he's not gonna let his property get demolished. Well, I'm going through some trials. There's, there's, a, there's an evolution that's supposed to take place apparently. There's a process. We don't always understand it, but I'm telling you, you belong to God and you have given them to me so they bring me glory. Verse 11, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Woo, it's the name above all name, the Bible says. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be, what's that word? They will be what? United just as we are united. This is Jesus talking to the Father. He said, look, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm asking them to protect, protect them by the power of the name you've given me, the name of Jesus Christ, and that's the name we all wear, right? So protect them by that, and, and that way they can be united just as you and I are united. Think of how was Jesus and the Father united? Well, he's about to talk about it. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except for the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. He's talking about Judas. Verse 13, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Listen, don't get upset when you say, man, it seems like there's so much pressure on Christianity and so much attack going on on our principles and our values and the world just, I mean, they hate us because what they stand up for. Absolutely. Nobody ever loved people the way that Jesus loved people and they hated him for it. Well, if they'll hate the master, how much more are they gonna hate us? Right? It's just part of it. So just get ready, right? So this world, this world hates it. He said, now notice what he says here in verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Wait a minute. He's like, hey, look, this world, I realize they hate my people. <laughs> and guess what, God? I'm not asking you to take them out of it. If you're saying, Lord, I need, look, you see the situation I'm in, God, please, please get me out of this stuff. He's not necessarily going to remove you from the situation. Jesus even said at one point, hey, in this world, you will have trials and trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. You may be in a situation that you have troubles in, but be of good cheer. Why? Because he has overcome that situation. You may have situations, but the situations don't have you. You can walk in freedom right there. And that's what he's saying. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. We're gonna walk through some trials. We're gonna walk through some hardships in life. We're gonna walk through some challenges. Woo, but he will keep us safe from the evil one. No weapon formed against you will prosper. All those who rise up against you shall fall. You don't have to fear what the enemy is gonna bring you because you're a child of God. You belong to God. This is the kind of prayer Jesus is praying. Man, if I know Jesus himself is praying this stuff over me every day, that's encouraging. You can be encouraged. It tips me off to who I am. Now watch this. 16, y'all doing all right? 
because I break all the preaching rules, it seems like. You know, when you, when you go to seminary and stuff, they tell you, they said, don't use too many scriptures when you preach because people don't want that many scriptures. But to me, the word of God preaches better than I could, so I'm just going to read the word of God, all right? Is that right? So 16, they do not belong to this world. We don't belong to this world. So don't get caught up in the fact that the world doesn't accept you and doesn't accept, for, accept what you stand for. Don't get caught up in that because you don't belong here anyway. We don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Guess what? Are you a child of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Have you asked him to be Lord of your life? Guess what he's going to do? He's going to send you into the world. What does that mean? He's going to send you into the environment that does not like you. That's what he said. (laughs) You know, hey, I'm going to send you into some trials. The Bible says that he baptized, that Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. Woo, we like that. But he also baptizes you with what? Fire. John the Baptist said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Woo, we all like the Holy Spirit baptism. Makes us feel good, right? Makes us feel empowered. It's just that when we get baptized by fire, (laughs) that winds up doing a lot of refining and burning up a lot of stuff, right? That, That makes us feel unsettled. And and verse 19, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Thank you that I've been set apart. I've been made holy because of the truth of his word. Verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Guess what? He's talking to all y'all right now. That's pretty cool. Verse 21, I pray that they will, here we go. His prayer is tipping us off today as to who we really are, and it doesn't always mix with our Western churchified theology. So this may make some of y'all uncomfortable, but Jesus himself is praying it for you. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Jesus is praying that you become one with the Father, one with God himself, just as he was one with God. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. Woo! Now, we talked about the glory from verse one or chapter 1. And Jesus said, hey, return me back to that glory. Return me back to this knowledge that I am with you. I am in you. You're in me. Now, everywhere I look, there's glory. And I'm giving them that glory. Well, the only way you see that glory is if you become, if you live in God. And he lives in you, and you become one. So they may be one as we are one. Right? Now bear with me. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Jesus is praying that every single one of us experience perfect unity with the Father. Well, you know, I'm, I'm unified when I'm good. I'm unified when I have faith. I'm unified with God when I attend church. No, no, no. Perfect unity. Unity that is lacking nothing. Complete unity. He said, 
He says, I, uh, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that your love, that you love them as much as you love me. Has it ever hit you that God loves you just as much as he loved Christ? Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Well, where was he? Well, he's talking about the sweet by and by. No, he wasn't even in the sweet by and by yet. He was hanging out in front of them. Oh, so you're praying that we go stand over there? No, he's talking about where he was consciously and in his spirit. And that was in God and God in him. Unified, one with God. And he said, I pray that they can be where I'm at. Then they can see all the glory you have that you gave me because you loved me before the world even began. Back in chapter one, you were loving me. I was part of everything that was going on before you even created God. Uh, there was so much glory around because I was in you, you were in me, and that's what I want my people to experience, this kind of oneness that God is in us and we get to be in God. Say, I'm doing my best to live for Jesus. Stop trying to live for Jesus. Start living in Jesus. Start living in Christ. Let him be alive in you. Oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. When Christ saved you, he didn't just punch your ticket to heaven. He put you in him and he is in the father and the father is in him and Christ is in us, which means that the father is where? In us. Is there any lack in God? Is there any limitation in God? Is there always enough in God? He said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. Say, oh, is God gonna make me a millionaire? God's already made you a gazillionaire. I don't care if you got five cents in your checking account. Is there anything, think right now at this moment, this moment, I'm not talking about tomorrow, I'm not talking about yesterday, I'm talking about this moment right now, right now, right now. Is there anything you can think of that you need right now? Because right now is all you have. You don't have tomorrow yet. He hadn't called it forth. You don't even have a past. Stop worrying about your past. Why? Because it doesn't exist. Where's this? Show me your past. Pull it out of your pocket. Is it in your car? No. Oh, it's in here. Well, then stop thinking about it if it's bugging you. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Right now is his promise. Well, right now, do you have any lack? We got everything we need right now in this moment. Well, what about five minutes from now? Well, when you get to five minutes from now, everything you need if you walk in faith, will be provided for you. If you have no need, wealth in the kingdom is, is not measured by how much you have, but how much you don't need. And if God is in you, know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now you have become a vessel. The Bible says we have this promise, this promise of, of the Holy Spirit, the promise of union and unity with God. We have this promise in earthen vessels. These bodies are made from earth, earth, right? That's why I don't get all puffed up about what you look like and everything else. Why? Because you, ultimately these bodies are dirt. 
and you're dirt just like I'm dirt. <laughs> you know, he just used different, different types of clay to make us, that's all. So don't get too excited and don't get too depressed <laughs> about these things. They're only temporary anyway, right? But the spirit that has joined itself to your spirit, the Bible says the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. The same Holy Spirit of God that made the entire universe, that spoke creation into existence, that was powerful enough to raise a man after he'd been in a tomb dead for three days, is alive and well in your body and making you one with God. Now that doesn't jive well with the way we've been taught. Said, no, I'm a sinner saved by, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Stop it. You were a sinner, but now you are saved by grace. The word there in the Greek is sozo. It doesn't mean that you have your ticket to heaven punched. It means wholeness and completeness and soundness of mind and wealth of health. So if he has saved me, that means I am sound, I am whole, I am complete. I am lacking nothing. Why? Because he is alive and well in me. Dave, are you trying to say you are one with God? Yes, I am. Because of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice and, and that Jesus Christ, I am dead in Christ. The Bible says I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I've been killed. I have lost all my, all my will, all my desires. I have submitted to him. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. It's not I, but it's Christ who lives within me, the Bible says. So if Christ is alive in me and Dave is dead to Christ, that means Christ is in the Father, the Father's in him. That means the Father's in, that means I can walk in the same oneness with God that Christ has walked with God. That excites me. Because if I can remember that, if I can stay in that place of revelation, that no matter what I face, I can overcome it. I can always have the victory. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. The righteous, those who are righted, we were crooked, we were bent. Now he's propped us up. Why? He's righted us. They run into it and are safe, are sozoed, are whole, complete, where do you find your wholeness and completeness? In him. Well, if I am in him, I am one with him. Matter of fact, look at this. 1 Corinthians 1.17, but the person who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. It's like this. I can have a cup of water. Say, hey, look at this cup of water. Y'all see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's my cup of water. Now I go out and I pour it into the lake. Is that cup of water still there? Sure. Can you differentiate it from the lake? Now I go to scoop it back up and I come set it up here and say, what's that? It looks like lake water. Well, that's my cup of water. But it's all blended with the lake. That means all the quality of the lake out here now resides in my cup. My cup has now become a vessel that contains all the quality of the lake. You can look at the cup and say, well, there's the lake. It's not the entirety of the lake, but it is still the lake. If you are alive in Christ, that means you're a walking representation of God. 
You can operate as God. You can operate as a creator in your life. You can operate with faith. Say, oh, you're getting dangerous. That sounds like Jim Jones type stuff. That sounds like David Crush type stuff. No, that's no, it's not. Because this is what would be this would be what would be absolutely ridiculous if I said, hey, because of Christ Jesus, I am one with God. Oh, I'm one with God. You better start worshiping me and listening to everything I have to say. Well, it'd be ridiculous. Why? Because if you are dead in Christ too, that means you're one with God. God's not gonna boss himself around. Let's go even, even a step further. Do you realize this is what Jesus was trying to do all along? He came to wake the dead, to resurrect the dead, or to wake up those who slept. We just read it today in Psalm. He knew us while he was forming us in our mother's womb. These bodies, these, if we came from God, but these bodies will one day, one day pass away and perish, but we get to return back to God. That means that the part of God that's hanging out in you, you are far older than what you think you are. How old are you? You're, you're infinite. Philippians chapter two, verse six says this about Jesus. And if you are dead in Christ and Christ is alive in you, which means that you are a Christian or a version of, you're, you're Christ-ish. <laughs> that's what it means. Little Christian, right? Or little Christ. Philippians 2 and 6, Jesus, or who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God. So, well, but we're talking about Jesus. Well, who are we walking around? You're the only Jesus people are going to meet. You are the body of Christ. You are dead to yourself. He is alive in you. What do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to be depressed about? What do we have to be discouraged about? Say, man, I'm, I'm facing troubles in this world. I get it. We all are. But he has overcome the world, which means if I am him, I have overcome the world. I've overcome everything I'm having to face. I know, I know it's hard not to be the worm. It's hard not to be, I'm, I know I'm just, but I'm a sinner. Say, my great, don't take that away from me. You were a sinner. You were. It's done. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You're something different. You may have been a worm before, but you're now the eagle soaring. All right, I'll wrap up. I'm making some of y'all nervous. <laughs> Being one with God, what in the world? I'm telling you, this is the authority that he has allowed us to walk in. Favor, grace, blessings. All of a sudden, you can start seeing the blessings of God all around you. The glory of God becomes alive all around you. When you realize you're not just a solo cup of water, but you're actually part of this whole lake, you have disappeared into a divine sea of infinity that is now shown back up as you. You're a you-flavored version of Christ and the Father walking the planet. Subject to him, subject to his word, ain't nobody gonna go Jim Jones in here. I ain't passing out no Kool-Aid. 
but we are glorifying him and walking in who he says. Look at what it says here, Ephesians 5 and 1. Man, Paul's being ridiculous. Look at this crazy stuff he's talking about. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. What does that mean? Imitate God. Let me put it in modern day. Act like God in everything you do. Why? Because you're his children. How many of y'all have children and your wife ever looks at you and say, that's you right there. Like they start acting a certain way and you're like, Derek, that's you. That's right, yeah. Why is it that the dads get blamed for the bad stuff? But when the kid starts doing well in school and everything, oh, well, that's, the, the, the wives are like, that's, that's me. I was a good student. In other words, our kids start emulating us and acting like us, right? That's why, you, men, you need to watch how you talk to your wives. Because do you, want your, do you want your sons growing up talking to their women that way? Their woman that way, I'm sorry, their woman. I'll leave that singular. Woman. See, the Holy Ghost corrected me. Midstream, mid-sermon. Wives. Wives, be good to your husbands. You don't, want your, you don't want your little girls growing up and just beating down their husbands, do you? Come on. Why? Because the children tend to emulate and imitate and act like. Come on. Act like God in everything you do. Come on. Stop whining. I'm preaching to me more than anything. You know what, God? Hey, God got a hold of me this week. I was in the car bawling my head off. I had a chance to feed a homeless person. The Lord told me to feed. I bought a sandwich in the car. I was praising God for it. I felt pretty good about myself. I got back in the car. He said, all right, now that you did that, I want you to listen to this. Man, two seconds later, I was bawling. I realized I'd been a brat. And he let me know I was a brat. And it was an act of love. The Bible says he chastises those that he loves. What was he trying to tell me? He said, Dave, imitate me in everything you're doing. Stop whining. Stop complaining. What are you complaining about? You've got me. I'm alive in you. You're not even you anymore. You're me. And I don't lack anything. I've never lost. I can't even tell a lie. It's not that, well, God doesn't lie. No, the Bible says he can't lie. He can't tell a lie. If he looks at a dog and says it's a cat, it becomes a cat. He can't tell a lie. Anything God speaks takes place, doesn't it? What are you speaking into your life? Because you're, what are you speaking? There's life and death in the tongue. Man, I need to start speaking some life. I need to imitate God and start speaking life into my circumstances and situations, amen? And then watch this. Well, how do I imitate God? Well, verse two, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Have you, ever, have you ever realized that when you love on people, especially those that have no chance of ever really loving you back properly, it smells great to God. He's just, that's what I love right there. But you got to start acting like him and imitating him. And guess what? That's exactly what Jesus is praying for you today. Be encouraged. Let's all stand. Be encouraged.